because a lot of relationships, I'm convinced, go wrong because Moses is the CEO of the marriage. And under Moses, it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You had the kids, you, I, I watched them last time, so you watched them this time. You bought this, so I'm going to buy that. Da 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 da, and da 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 da. And that's Moses. That's a Moses marriage. Living by the law. Yeah. And you know what? That leads to blood. Jesus turned water into wine, Moses turned water into blood. And if you let Jesus take control of your relationship, it'll bring new wine because you're trying to give grace. Well, that's a rather profound insight from Pastor Levi Lesko sharing from the stage at a Focus on the Family event right here in Colorado Springs. And you're going to hear more about how to have a grace-filled and loving marriage on today's broadcast. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Hey John, we were at a marriage retreat with a large group of Focus friends and supporters, and we had a wonderful time with Levi and his wife, Jenny. Uh, my wife, Jean, was there uh, on the stage and had a microphone, so you're going to hear some comments from Jean as mm-hmm. well. Excellent. For some reason, John, you weren't with us that night. You must have been somewhere. I, I'm sure I was out of town, perhaps. Perhaps uh, maybe even on a hunting trip. <laughs> that could be. But uh, what we recorded that night and what we want to share with you today is a lot of practical marriage encouragement and some humor as well, because it's our goal here at Focus on the Family to remind you, as we remind ourselves, <laughs> that we need to enjoy one another in our marriages and remember all the wonderful things that we share in our relationships. Of course, we know that healthy marriages do take work, uh, but God also designed your relationship to be full of love, affection, and fun as well. And if you'd like to experience more fun in your marriage along with that love and affection, please contact us here at Focus on the Family. We have so many resources, including our free online marriage assessment, which is a really good quick way to get an overview of what's working well in the relationship and maybe a few things to improve as well. Uh, Check it out. Just click the link in the episode show notes. Levi and Jenny Lusco founded Fresh Life Church in 2007. It's grown. It has satellite locations in Montana, Utah, Oregon, and Wyoming. Uh, Levi has written several books that we've featured on this broadcast, and the Lescos are the parents of five children. And we're going to pick up today's program at the point where Levi began explaining how the first recorded miracle of Jesus, described in John chapter 2, can teach us profound lessons about how to have a more fulfilling marriage. Jesus is at a wedding, and that should right there arrest our attention. He's got three and a half years to save the world. What's he doing at a wedding? But the answer is, in the text, it says Jesus was invited. So here's the question. If Jesus isn't in your home, it's not because he doesn't want to be there. It's because perhaps Mm. you didn't invite him in. Every bride and groom have the choice to invite Jesus into their wedding, invite him into the marriage. He'll come into your home if you invite him. So he's there. Mm. His mom says, hey, they're out of wine. He tells the servants, uh, go get that, uh, those six tubs, basically giant stone Mm -hmm. pots, fill them up with water. And once the water's filled up, draw some out and give it to the master of the feast. And it was when they brought the water to the master of the feast that the miracle happened and it turned into wine. Mm. Now, The text says the servants filled the pots up to the brim. Those three words in that passage give us the approach for our relationships God wants us to take. Mm -hmm. Because they only got as much wine as they had the faith to put water in. They were 20 to 30 gallons a piece, and there were six of them. So they got 125 to 150 gallons worth of wine because they filled the pots up to the brim. 
Now they had no guarantee while they were pouring that was working. They didn't have a hose either. Mm -mm. They're going to the well, bucket at a time, perspiring, you know, what in the heck? What are we even doing? And they could have easily said, oh, that's enough. Let's go bring some to the master. Then that's exactly as much wine as they would have gotten. But because they, were, they had the faith to do something that didn't seem like it was working, that eventually this to the brim mentality led to them having a lot of wine. We think a lot of marriages have a barely enough mentality. They treat it like, you know, we do our iPhone or our gas tank, where it's like always kind of run on red line. You know what I mean? And yeah. we don't get gas until some of you have that little thing that tells you distance till empty. And you go, I just did that yesterday. I don't need to get gas. I got 13 I miles like left. I'm fine. Yeah. And that was yes. the exact mileage I had left. Exactly. That's, you're like, because that's the point at which it, which it kicks over and says, hey, moron, get gas. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no way. It's like a game. How close can I get to the edge? But a lot of marriages are doing that. They have just enough relational equity to not, you know, be destroyed on a day-to-day basis, just surviving as opposed to having more than enough. Not taking that date night or that weekend away or that marriage counseling until it's in crisis mode, as opposed to a to the brim. You're going to have as much uh, in your marriage as you're willing to put into it. So I think like that miracle, we should fill our marriages up to the brim. That is good. That is great insight. And you just mentioned date nights, weekend getaways, and um, what else? Do you recommend Am for I in trouble? busy? No, but <laughs> busy. Everyone's busy. Right. A lot of us yeah. have kids. What are some practical ways to spend time together to build up that kind of love bank? Yeah. Well, we've heard it said um, 15 minutes a day, one night a week, one day a month, one weekend a year is not like, oh, you have to do this and you're getting it wrong. But like, is it just a good rule of thumb that you can, I mean, that seems doable. Like, okay, 15 minutes a day. Not on, just, phones, not on your phone, but talking, just like, hey, in. how are you doing? Just Using that words. quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one night a week, a date night where you're setting a time to do what each other loves. Hey, whether when we were first married, our date nights were a trip to Costco. You know, that $1.44 yes, hot dog and a Coke, you know, and on the bad nights, it was just samples, honey. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> you know, but romance can work on any budget. And we didn't wait to put that tradition in place till we could afford the finer things because uh, you have to choose just like generosity. It's like you don't start tithing when you have a million dollars because you'll be just as generous with a hundred as you would be a million. So you begin those things now and we put those things into place, like you said, the time bank, which uh, I would say in addition to the spiritual disciplines, church attendance, small group participation, serving, those sorts of things that are going to give your uh, relationship a rock foundation and not a sand foundation. Let me ask you this. Uh, sometimes people can feel overcommitted, especially people with great intentions that want to serve in that way. And then really the relationship takes the shortest end of the stick because yep. we're so busy. We've got Bible studies to do. I'm going to the men's group. Jean's off to the ladies group twice yep. this week. Yep. And yet we've got the kids stuff going on and the projects do and does he need help getting it done? Yep. So how ha- for that committed person who is measuring themselves in terms of their doing, so I'm a good Christian because look how much I'm doing, mm. how do you remain, maintain a healthy perspective with that? You're a pastor, yep. so you're relying on these people too. Yep. Well, I think when it comes to time, one of the mistakes we make is we say to ourselves lies like that we believe, like, I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. But the reality is you have the exact same amount of time as every human being that's ever lived, Hmm. 168 hours every single week. That's how much time Abraham Lincoln had, Gandhi had, Steve Jobs had. You can't uh, find time for the important things. You make time. So I heard it said once, if you grow your no, God will bless your yes. 
So it's what you say no to just as much as what you say yes to. And when we put those important things on the calendar, we at the beginning of a year put out our camping trip, our vacation, you know, those sorts of things are set in stone. And then when other opportunities come up, and let me tell you, they come up. Yeah. I'll get asked, hey, come to this. And it's like, nope, I'm going to be there at my daughter's first day of school. I got asked to speak to 10,000 people and on the day of my daughter's first day of school. And I said, um, I'll be taking my daughter to school. And he said, we'll pay you this much. And I said, and guess what? I'll be at my daughter's school that day. That's great. And so there's nothing in the world that you, you can't get that back. You can get more money. That's right. Yeah. You can get more opportunity. You can get more Instagram followers. You don't get more time with your kids. You don't get more time with your spouse. Well, you know, I appreciate this so much about Levi because for me, I have more of the, I want to, I don't like conflict and I want to please people and I want to do all the things. And I'm very used to just saying yes all the time. And I've learned that it's actually so good to be able to say no and to say yes to the things that are the most important. Um, and so many people will be like, oh, you guys are so busy. How do you make this happen? It's like, well, when you put the first things first and you just let the other things either fall into place or not do them, then it really isn't. It really isn't that hard, but you do have to fight for it. You mentioned something uh, that I think is critically important. That's assume the best yeah. of your spouse. I think this is where marriages break down because mm -hmm. you end up in this vicious cycle where you assume the worst, the yeah. worst intention. Yeah. The reason he didn't come home on time is yeah. because there's somebody else or something's going on yeah. or he doesn't love me enough. And then you ruminate on these things and you talk yourself into a scenario which hopefully doesn't exist. In some cases it might, but in many cases it won't. So speak to the assume the best and talk to us about why that's so hard for us to do as human beings. Well, the Bible says that we should believe all things. That's what love does. Love believes all things. Now, of course, I'm not talking about the person who has, you know, been unfaithful or lost trust. It does take time to regain trust that's been lost, of course. Mm -hmm. So that being pushed off to the side, I'm talking about just the normative patterns of a healthy relationship. Uh, we watched a, a comedian once who said, um, when you're dating, you can do no wrong. And then you get married and you can do no right. And sadly, that can be how it is sometimes. He went on to say that one time his wife had some friends over and they were all watching a movie, chick flick, right? And he came in, thought, I'm going to be the good husband and said, girls, could I make you some popcorn? And his wife didn't even look up, but she said, without even looking him in the eyes, she said, just make sure you make enough. And it was like, like she oh. was already assuming he wasn't going to make enough popcorn. You know what I mean? He was like wanting to serve I tried to do something and right. And I think yeah. we, can, we can do that. So we can true. digress into that mm -hmm. where we're filling in thought bubbles over our spouse's head and we're naming intentions and we're, we're writing a story. You know, our brains are built to love story. A beginning, a middle, and an end. Brene Brown talks about how our brains crave and actually give us a chemical reward when it detects a pattern. And it so craves closure that when people's bizarre actions don't make sense, our brain will at times play judge, jury, and executioner, basically assigning a motive just so it can have the self-satisfaction of saying case closed, and it will settle for inaccuracy so long as it's complete and conclusive. Mm. And so at times, our minds can assume the worst of each other, and then we're basically you know, convicting them of crimes they may not have even committed. So we've chosen to use the language of, you know, the Corinthian text. Let's believe all things. Let's believe the best about each other. Let's assume positive intent. If Jenny said something that hurts my feelings, I'm not assuming she wanted to hurt me. She loves me. She wants the best for me. So I'm going to bring my emotions to her and ask her to clarify and help me see this is what my perspective was. What do you think? And, and to really assume the best about each other. Yeah, and I will say, too, that, it, that a lot about your past has everything to do with the relationship that you're in now. And for me personally and honestly, um, I had 
um, issues with my dad because he had left and just wasn't a, a great present dad. And I, I feel like as I entered into marriage, I was actually placing a lot of the things that I had struggled with with my dad seeing him even how he interacted with my mom, I placed those things unfairly on Levi because that was he was the man in my life and I figured, oh, well if this is how he's acting, then this sure. is why. And I was like placing badges on him that he did not earn at all. Could you name um, uh, one or two of those badges for us? Yeah, I would say um, my dad was unfaithful to my mom and I think that was one thing coming into marriage is Maybe I was just really um, suspecting and so like trust. Tr just the trust mm -hmm. already. And Levi's never given a reason ever to misuse that trust. But because of that's kind yeah. of what the baggage that I brought right. into marriage, that that was definitely one thing that that was so unfair to him because he would talk to a girl and be like, oh, my gosh, like everything's out of control and crazy. But the truth is, is that he loves me and that I was putting an undue Thing on him. Well, and it was a trigger for you. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And Jenny, how did you overcome that? Well, I think it, well, it was talking through it, and that's always the thing is communicating, like, this is how I feel when this happens. But it was um, realizing that, because I think I just didn't realize it until there was a point where I was like, this is why. And, and marriage counseling I mean, really helped for mm -hmm. us, yeah. you know, which I think for a lot of pastors, there would be a fear of that, you know, because uh, there's maybe an assumption that, you know, that's something you do when, when things are going wrong. I would say it's something you should do to keep things from going wrong, mm -hmm. just like you change the oil in your car, you know, that's so for us point. to work through that and uh, have a lot of help to have someone we can talk to about it and process things through and just to be able to be honest and with a third party that could listen and hear both sides and kind of steer us towards uh, some healthy patterns in our marriage. And that really helped us out a lot. And, and to say like, look, I, I'm not your dad and I'm going to honor you and love you and trust you. And, and look, I'm, we're going to, if there's something you're uncomfortable about, please pull that quality control chain and I'll do the same thing. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, we have to trust each other and let this be a new story. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Jim and his wife Jean hosted a marriage retreat, and uh, Pastors Levi and Jenny Lesko were speakers. You'll find a lot more encouragement from the Leskos in a book they've written called The Marriage Devotional, 52 Days to Strengthen the Soul of Your Marriage. We've got that book. Uh, the details are in the episode notes. And now more from Levi and Jenny Lesko on Focus on the Family because a lot of relationships, I'm convinced, go wrong because Moses is the CEO of the marriage. And under Moses, it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Mm -hmm. You had the kids, you, I, I watched them last time, so you watched them this time. You bought this, so I'm gonna buy that. Da 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 da, -da and da 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 da. And that's Moses. That's a Moses marriage. That's the law. Living that's by the law. Yeah. And you know what that leads to? Blood. Jesus turned water into wine. Moses turned water into blood. And if you let Jesus take control of your relationship, it'll bring new wine because you're trying to give grace. And if you're not doing your job, I'm going to do mine twice as hard. And if you're not doing this, I'm going to give you even more grace. And that'll bring wine and refreshment out of your relationship. So really, I think a lot of us need to give Moses the pink slip and let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> I like it. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah? Good. All right. That's good. Okay, I, there are two other areas I want to cover before we end. And one is on the submission issue. You guys have spoken about that. Uh, it's always the third rail of relationship, sure. especially in the Christian church when we talk about submission. A lot of different definitions of what does it mean and what does God expect. 
and people abuse it. Men oh, abuse that no, authority, doubt. and well, women and I, can be and abuse pastors it too. can really miss what the actual teaching is from Ephesians five, because the word submit is used in verse twenty one. Long before he says wives submit, he says submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And so the context of marriage is two people who have both submitted to each other in the lens of Jesus' sacrifice. And so here's Jesus who uh, modeled for us this servant leadership by dying for us on the cross. And for a man who wants to basically become Jabba the Hutt in his home, instead of Jesus the Christ in his home, who Jesus died for his, his bride, and these men who want to pull the chain so Leah can come over and feed him grapes, you know what I mean? That's just a train wreck. a very gross scene, by the way. <laughs> just saying. And you know what? There's some very gross marriage dynamics at play mm, yeah. uh, where the man's the lord of the castle in that way. It was, so here's, we're supposed to both submit to each other. Now, does the New Testament make it clear that in a stalemate, cat's game situation, that the husband is to have the tie-breaking vote because he's going to be the one to stand before Jesus for that? Yes, absolutely. But in our 15 years of marriage, I've never had to pull that card one single time because the goal is consensus. Now, there've been a thousand times where I wanted to pull that, but the Holy <laughs> Spirit would have been like, hey, moron, you know what I mean? You're just being selfish here, right? Because Jesus died for his bride and you basically just want to be right in the situation. And my opinion is that when Paul then breaks it down further and says, so husbands uh, may see that you love your wives and, and wives see that you submit to your husbands, he was saying that's the part they most are going to struggle with in submitting to one another. Mm. So he was really speaking to the subject of submission, the mutual submission that is presented in Ephesians 5, and to show what the most challenging part of that would be like. Yeah. Jenny, for the women that are struggling with that, what would you say to them directly as a wife and a woman? If they're sitting there going, I could never do that with my husband. He isn't the man I really expected I, or thought that I married. Um, I heard one preacher say, um, speak to the king and the king will, will stand up. But if you speak to the fool, the fool will rise up. And I think that's the key as a wife. Um, if we see the potential and the um, we see the king and our husband. That's, again, going back to looking for, because um, sometimes all you see is the fool. But if you can look for a glimmer of the king and honor that in them, that's going to raise them up to the next level of the man of God they're meant to be. But I love how in First Peter, it First Peter 3 starts out and says, wives, likewise, submit to your husbands. And it goes back to what chapter two says right before. And it talks about Jesus being the ultimate example of submitting to his father and dying on the cross. Um, and that, that he's the ultimate example of that. And so when we're having a, a hard time submitting, we go back to Jesus as our example of if Jesus could do this, I'm going to submit to my husband because Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I think that's the key. And then it even goes down when it talks to husbands, husbands likewise honor, love your wives. And so well, it's actually, to be fair, he gives six verses to the women and Peter does, and he gives one verse to the men and it well, involves a threat, right? right? It's like all these things to the women, oh, and the men, it's like, Hey, love your wives or God won't listen to your prayers. And guys like, mm, okay, <laughs> one thing, it's all we could handle. He kind of awesome. knows how he made us, right? Pretty good. I mean, it is pretty funny. But Jenny's right though. You know, to the woman who says, Hey, I treat my husband that way, but he doesn't act that way. It's like, maybe he would, if you treated him that way, mm. maybe you would help him become right. the man you wish he was. Well, and to that point, and so many of us talk about this, how the culture is buffooning men already yeah. Yeah. you know every commercial and we can't lay like, pray to that but I mean you know 
we've got to yeah. arrest that in our own relationships and say, okay, I'm not going to play that role. Sure. And I'm not going to let my husband play that role mm. is what I'm hearing you say. I'm going to see the, the king in him. Yeah. All right. The next difficult one is intimacy, physical intimacy and relationship. Yeah. This can be, and your pastor, you're pastoring couples that hit this wall a lot. Sure. And let's just talk that through a little bit, the criticality of it, um, you know, the tenderness of this, because it's something men crave probably a, as much as water and food, right? Yeah, sure. And women are going, why, Lord, did you do this to them, <laughs> right? Why do they have such this appetite? Sure. And it's not always sure. that way. We hear from listeners who well, that, that wives can, that will can be say, kind of a gross stereotype too. Yeah, my, right. my husband does not have that desire. Sure. So it goes both ways. Sure. But speak to the physical intimacy issue and how it can really harm the relationship. Sure. Well, there's a lot, a lot of pressure that can be put on that, especially in a culture where we rightly, as a church culture, we, we prize virginity. We prize the beauty of intimacy. And so there can be so much pressure that when it finally gets there, it's, it's very scary and underwhelm, can be underwhelming. And I think we have to take a little bit of the pressure off mm -hmm. in that way because uh, great lovers are made, not born. And, you know, for us, we've experienced it's just gotten better and better, like wine, as we practiced. And, you know, we, I just encourage us to practice a lot, you know, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I ask that question? But there are, I don't remember that yes, question. Yes, you did. There are challenges inherent, you know, uh, to tell a story that just, this was not lovemaking, but it was a moment where we had a really quick turnaround and we had to shower up for some event we were at. And so we were like, hey, for water purposes, let's just jump in the shower together. Okay. But our two-year-old at some point was watching a TV show, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse in the other room. And we didn't notice. We thought the door was locked. We were just showering, fortunately. But she had come in the room. Two-year-old daughter came in the room. And uh, we didn't know until she was there until we heard her say, say cheese. <laughs> And I thought she was going to be, I looked like horrified, oh. like, we were both like, ah. And we thought she was going to be, you know, snapping a picture with her fingers. No, she had Jenny's phone. <laughs> and we, we both oh. lunged for it. She had it open in Instagram. Oh. She oh. had the camera from Instagram and was about to push oh. the shutter. Oh. We were oh my. praying in tongues. We were so grateful that it did not happen. <laughs> And you're sticking to this story, This would right? have been the end of ministry, guys. <laughs> oh, You'd never see my. me again. But there are <laughs> challenges. In, 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 my point is, there's challenges involved Ooh. in being naked and ashamed, okay? Yeah. Uh, because wow. Because that's what God wants for us. But I, I, say, I tell you that story, but on a serious note, when the Bible says Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, it was not just physically. They were unashamed spiritually because they had no need to hide. Sin causes you to cover up. Mm -hmm. The moment they sinned, what'd they do? They covered up with clothes, fig leaves, terrible choice, itchy plants, <laughs> right? But the point is they were now hiding. And when we, we want to experience the beauty of physical intimacy, it comes from inward vulnerability and transparency mm -hmm. and to where yes. uh, you are covered up in the best possible sense. Once Jesus put the blood uh, over Adam and Eve, they were now clothed and covered. Mm -hmm. And when Jenny and I are covered by Jesus, we can be uncovered before each other in vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that's the foundation for a beautiful relationship. It's where you don't have secrets. It's where you, uh, in the Bruce Willis movie, he says, when did you know the relationship was on the rocks? He said, when I had a bad dream and didn't wake you up to tell you about it, about his wife. And mm -hmm. I think the power of a, of a great sex life comes from you wake each other up to tell each other about your bad dreams and your fears and your vulnerabilities mm -hmm. and your insecurities and who I wish I was. And, and I think uh, for me, when I tell Jenny, hey, I'm scared, I need you to pray for me. And I'm feel, I feel there's spiritual warfare. Will you pray for me? Will you take my hand and pray for me? That's the power of a sex life. It mm -hmm. comes from two souls that are knitted together. That is really mm -hmm. good. Yeah, it is. Um, 
for the couple, who knows how long they've been married? It may have been a short time or a long time, but they haven't experienced not only that kind of intimacy, but the kind of friendship and the fun that you're speaking about right from the beginning of the program. Where can they go? What can they do? How do they rekindle these things? Um, I'm really asking you for hope. Well, the book of Revelation says, speaking of our relationship with Jesus, of which we are the bride of Christ, right? Um, that we are to go back and do our, the first things. And so I would say go back to there in your mind. Talk about what, um, go on a walk. Talk about what attracted you to each other in the mm -hmm. first place before there was boats to buy and uh, remodelings to do on your mm -hmm. home and square footage to add and, and the trip to Aspen you want to take. All the pressure, all the things. How about just diapers you have yeah. to change? <laughs> there you go. Whatever Trail. it is, you know, the diapers you want to change. Uh, before all the pressure is my point. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and go back to that first friendship and foster that and blow on the coals and get it going again and enjoy each other and quit taking yourself so seriously say sorry you know for the skeptic listening saying right does it really work to blow on the coals will it catch fire again well if you don't you can be certain what's going to happen I can't promise you what's going to happen if you do, but if you put yourself out there you give something for God to bless mm. that's really good and the servants didn't know it was going to become wine when they were carrying it in a ladle to the master of the feast. It was still water until they stuck out in faith. So I'd encourage you who feels like, I don't know, it feels stupid. It's going to feel stupid if you're doing it right. Yeah, that is good. Mm -hmm. Levi, Jenny, thanks good. so much. Jean, thank you for thank being you. with us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you guys good. so much. Appreciate you. Well, John, I'm so sorry you weren't able to join us for that wonderful marriage retreat that we had with Levi and Jenny Lusco. It was also great having my wife, Jean, join us as well. I was so encouraged by the Lusco's reminder to have fun, laugh, and enjoy your spouse in ways that you may have forgotten all about since the day of your wedding. That's really the bottom line message today, to not let your marriage drift over time. God wants you to have a full-to-the-brim relationship, but that requires some work on your part. Regular date nights and assuming the best about your spouse and navigating those sensitive issues like submission and intimacy. Those are key building blocks you'll need for a strong and healthy relationship that will last a lifetime. Levi and Jenny Lesko have a lot more encouragement and help for husbands and wives in a book they've written called The Marriage Devotional, 52 Days to Strengthen the Soul of Your Marriage. Get a copy of this resource from us today. It's a great tool to help you grow closer together as a couple and closer to the Lord, probably most important. We'd be happy to put this book into your hands when you send a gift of any amount to focus on the family. That's our way of saying thanks for partnering with us to strengthen and support marriages. Donate today and request the Marriage Devotional when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. We'll also include an audio download of Jim's entire conversation with the Lescos. The details are in the show notes or give us a call. And John, I want to remind our listeners that we depend on your ongoing support to rescue hurting couples, equip parents, save preborn babies, and so much more. You provide the fuel we need to help the hundreds of thousands of families that contact us each year. Here at the end of 2022, would you please consider a monthly pledge to this family outreach? That regular gift will enable us to have resources and programs in place to meet the needs of hurting families in the days and months ahead. Can we count on your support today? Anything you donate will be beneficial. Even a one-time gift is greatly appreciated. 
Again, our number 800, the letter A in the word family, and we'll have details in the episode notes. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 